0: Thank you, Chrissy, and thank you, guys. I know that was a little different and maybe a little, a little hard, but I hope it was fun. All right, kids, you may leave and follow Miss Chrissy and continue on in your studies of God's love and faithfulness. All right. All right, well, thank you, guys, uh, for... Spending your Sundays with us, whether you are uh, here at, in person or at home watching, we just appreciate you guys uh, taking that time. Um, and for those of you that are watching at home, I just want to say we, we usually have really good snacks right before church, and like once a month we have a potluck, so, you know, there are other reasons to come, but we, we have pretty decent food here. So when you're ready, uh, we'd love to have you guys uh, come join us in person. Uh, as you can tell, this week is a little bit different. We got to play a game, and so, uh, but there are some things that are still the same. And one of the things that are the same is that we are going to be in God's Word. We're going to have the verses on the screen, and we encourage you guys to follow along in your own Bible, whether it's a paper Bible or an app. If you don't have a paper Bible and you would like one today, our ushers are coming down the aisle, so just give them a signal and they can get a paper Bible in your hands And if you don't have one at home, please, please take this one and consider it a gift. We want everyone to have um, access to God's Word. So as Chrissy said, uh, we are going to be kind of learning the same thing. The kids are learning that God's love is faithful, and we are learning that God's love is faithful. As far as I know, this is the first time we've really coordinated uh, both uh, services, if I can say, uh, together like that. Uh, we're in between sermon series series right now, um, and so we just finished our conversations with Jesus series a couple weeks ago, and Daniel Logan brought uh, a really encouraging message last week about his time with the Gideons. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting the next sermon series, which is going to be about what uh, we call the Do Unto Others uh, series, which deals with uh, Jesus' teachings about that. So when Pastor Dean asked if I could uh, take this Sunday, I kind of had my pick of topics. And I thought of a couple different things, uh, things that I've been uh, not struggling with, but just, you know, dealing with in my walk with Christ. And, but as I'm preparing for the sermon, I talked to my family, asked my wife, asked my kids, like, hey, what do you guys, what do you guys think I should I talk about? And my wife said, well, this is what I'll be teaching the kids. God's love is faithful. You could, you could do that. And to be honest, my first instinct was like, well, that's, that's cute, but uh, maybe I should do something a little more you know, sophisticated. Uh, but the more I thought about it, the more it sounded like a good idea. And then it sounded like a great idea. I mean, why not? We tend to fall into the thinking that children should be seen and not heard. And because of that, we, we tend to think that Sunday school that uh, kids' church, uh, whatever label you want to put on there, we, we, we tend to think of it as, as child care or that they tell just, they tell the simple stories. They, there's nothing really there that we can learn from. But uh, living with Chrissy, married 16 years now, and seeing how she ministers to the children here and the little folk, and I've come to adopt her philosophy of ministry, which is that Kids can handle more than we think. We do need to communicate in a way that they will understand, but they actually understand a lot. Children are not the future of the church. They are the church right now. They have a place and a purpose and can be used just like any other part of the body of Christ. And I have learned from Chrissy, as well as many other stories and movies, that whether you're a young boy defending your home from burglars Or Ewoks defending Endor, never underestimate the little folk. So with that, let's see what a children's curriculum can teach us. We're going to be in the book of Psalms today, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 103, 136, and probably part of 139. So we're going to be jumping around a bit. We're going to stay mostly in the book of Psalms. I'm sorry I didn't get the page number for the Bible. If you got it from the ushers, you're just going to have to find it somehow. Uh, before I get too much farther, though, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we can come and, and learn maybe just a little bit differently than we normally do. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that beat along with yours. And let your spirit be upon us with wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the company name of the curriculum that, that Chrissy uses is called Wonder Inc., and the main theme that the kids are learning right now uh, is that you are wonderfully made. And that theme verse is uh, going to be in Psalm 139, 13 through 14, and we will get to that verse a little bit later. Uh, a little bit about Psalms. Uh, in case you didn't know, it is the largest collection of Hebrew poems and songs and prayers in the Hebrew Bible. There's 150, to be exact. Many are attributed to David. That's probably what most of you guys uh, have heard. But about a third of them are anonymous. So the first psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 103. Uh, this one is is linked to David, and we're going to read, going to be reading and listening to a lot of scripture today. So uh, let's make sure our ears are working. Uh, fun fact. Uh, Chrissy and I went to a Bible college in Canada called Prairie Bible College. That's not the fun fact. That's just the setup for the fun fact. But there's a class there where the teacher challenges the students to read the entire book of Psalms in one sitting. I didn't take that class, so I didn't have to do that part. But, uh, but Chrissy actually did. She sat down and read the entire Psalms from beginning to end. And she said it took about seven and a half hours. And it was it was... Tough, but she's, she's really glad she did that. She probably won't do it again anytime soon, but um, to read it all in one sitting, that's amazing. But anyway, that's the that's fun fact. Hope it was fun for you guys. All right, so we're start, starting in Psalm 103. I'm going to be reading from the NIRV. New, uh, this is the version that, uh, that Chrissy teaches from in Children's Church. So, Psalm 103, a psalm of David. I will praise the Lord. Deep down inside me, I will praise him. I will praise him because his name is holy. I will praise the Lord. I won't forget anything he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my sickness. He saves my life from going down into the grave. His faithful and tender love makes me feel like a king. He satisfies me with good things that I desire. Then I feel young and strong again, just like an eagle. The Lord does what is right and fair for all who are treated badly. He told Moses all about his plans. He let the people of Israel see his mighty acts. The Lord is tender and kind. He is gracious. He is slow to get angry. He is full of love. He won't keep bringing charges against us. He won't stay angry with us forever. He doesn't punish us for our sins as much as we should be punished. He doesn't pay us back in keeping with evil things that we've done. He loves those who have respect for him. His love is as high as the heavens are above the earth. He has removed our sin from us. He has removed them as far as the east is from the west. As a father is tender and kind to his children, in the same way the Lord is tender and kind to those who have respect for him. He knows that what we are made of. He remembers that we are but dust dust. The life of human beings is like grass. People grow like flowers in the field. When the wind blows on them, they're gone. No one can tell that they had ever been there. But the Lord's love for those who have respect for him lasts forever and ever. Their children's children will know that he always does what is right. He always loves those who keep his covenant. He always does, does what is right for those who remember to obey his commands. The Lord has set up his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angel of his. Praise him, you mighty ones, who carry out his orders and obey his word. Praise the Lord, all you angels in heaven. Praise him, all you who serve him and do what he wants. Let everything the Lord has made praise him. Everywhere in his kingdom, I will praise the Lord. Can I get an amen? There we go. Yeah, so there is a lot... There and I know it's a lot to read it all at once, but I wanted you guys to, to really get the full measure of that. And today, again, we're remember t- we're talking about God's faithful love, and I think this is what Mo- this is what David is talking about in Psalms. This is what has inspired him to write this down. He lists all kinds of ways that God shows His faithful love. Some of them are general, and some of them are from his own life. Uh, From the past, he points to the story of Moses and the Exodus from Egypt. He talks about how a father is to his children. And if you've been coming to Grace for a while, you probably recognize some of the phrases in the Psalm, such as in um, verse eleven and twelve. You love those. uh, His love is as high as the heavens above the earth, right? He has removed uh, our sins, what, from east to west, right? We've we've talked about that a few times because that's you can't. That's an impossible. Thing, but he, somehow he does it. Another verse, uh, verse 8, is kind of the one I want to focus on. I believe that this is where, uh, this is what inspires everything. So verse 8 says, the Lord is tender and kind. He is gracious. He is slow to get angry. He is full of love. And you may recognize, I think I've heard that before, because we've talked about that verse as well. This is a reference to uh, Exodus chapter 34, Verse six, this is when uh, Moses is talking to God and he wants God to show him, show me your glory is what he says. And so God, all right. And so he comes down and this is the first thing that he says to Moses that he is describing himself as God. So as he passed in front of Moses, he called out, he said, I am the Lord, the Lord. I am God who is tender. I am the God who is tender and kind. I am gracious. I am slow to get angry. I am faithful and full of love. So this gets referenced a lot. We've talked about this in the the scriptures. It it comes up again in Numbers. It comes up in Deuteronomy. It comes up in the book of Jonah. It's pretty much all over. And you've heard Dean say, it is the most quoted and referenced verse about God by God. So it's really important. (laughs) So verse 8, as I said, I believe it's the key to what David is talking about. Forgiving sins, God healing, God doing what is right and fair, father loving his children, it all comes from God's faithful love. So the NRV that I'm reading from, this version uh, uses the word love. He is full of love. And uh, actually some of the earliest English translations, uh, like Tyndale and Wycliffe, when they first started doing this, they, they took the Hebrew word that I'm going to talk about in a minute that is under this, and they translated it into the word mercy. And you probably... Uh, that's a little bit familiar. King James came along, and they would use mercy sometimes. But another word that they like to put in there is a compound word called loving kindness. And other examples, uh, in different translations, you'll find uh, steadfast love, faithful love here, and sometimes it's just love. Uh, and a little tip I've heard, and I'm going to pass on to you guys. This is something I'm trying to do, is... Uh, Especially if you're doing a Bible study and you have different translations, you come across a word that has different words in all these translations, that's usually a, a, a clue that there could be something more there about this word. And all these words, they're, they're pretty good, right? I mean, loving kindness is, is a good one, steadfast. They're not very common words these days, unless you grew up in the church. And, I, and I'm wondering, I've, I keep having songs pop in my head, but did anybody else have a song? pop in their head like loving kindness. Can anybody think of a song that you might have learned in church? Thy loving kindness is better than life, right? Uh, Another one, uh, steadfast. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Didn't know you get sung to, did you? (laughs) I mean, from the preacher. Maybe we'll get a i a musical written up, and I'll get Dean to do it or something like that. But anyway, anyway, all I have to say is, you guys, if you've grown up in the church, you, you know these words, and, and maybe you didn't quite know that they're all talking about the same word. So the reason, or at least one of the reasons why there are so many different words is because the Hebrew word is, is like notoriously difficult to translate into pretty much any language. And the Hebrew word is chesed. You have to kind of clear your throat if you want to say it. Chesed. And it combines the idea of love and generosity and enduring commitment all in one. It describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. I was, uh, I was watching a Bible Project video that helped kind of get these words to, to put down, to, to communicate. Because, I mean, it's hard to put all that into one English word or even a compound word. Loving kindness is pretty good, and, and, but you know it doesn't, quite, it doesn't quite get the full meaning of it. And as far as I know, there is no language that can quite do a one-to-one translation of that word chesed. But thankfully, the way the Bible is written, the way that the, the authors have written it and God inspired them, we have all these stories and examples of chesed that we can draw from to get that, that bigger picture than just that word Um, such as the book of Ruth. Amanda was kind enough to read uh, that section of the story for us, just to kind of recap a little bit. uh, So Ruth is a non-Israelite. She married an Israelite. The man died. And so she is a Moabite. She's going to go back to Israel with her Israelite mother. Now, Naomi has nothing. She has nothing to offer her. There's nothing that she can really give her. That's why she tries to tell her to go home. And then there's that famous poem, right? Wherever you go, I will go. So again, Naomi has nothing to give Ruth, nothing to give back for this act of love. For Ruth does it because that's who Ruth is. It's simply a part of her character. She is someone that is full of chesed, full of faithful love. And as others see what Ruth has done, that's what they call it. They say this is an act of chesed. And there are other examples of people showing that, such as between David and Jonathan, and there's a couple of other examples. But like mostly, when that word comes up, chesed is linked to God. It's actually, I think, it's used 245 times in the Hebrew Bible. And 127 of those times is in the book of Psalms. Uh, so in the book of Exodus, the story of Moses and Israel coming out of Egypt, this is uh, what David was referring to. At one point, well... At several points, really, this happens. But there's this one particular point where the Israelites have rebelled. They're scared of the nation. They don't want to go in. I believe this is in the book of Numbers. I'm sorry I didn't write it down. And so they're like, you know what? I have the solution. Let's just kill Moses. We'll get a new leader, and we'll go back to Egypt. Because I think that's their solution for everything. It's weird. So God is hurt. He's a little upset. He's like, after everything I've done for these people, he's ready to wipe them out and start over. But Moses intercedes because that's what he does. He asks God to forgive the people, and he says, forgive these people because of your chesed. And it's not because of anything the Israelites have done, obviously, but it's because of God's character. It is simply who God is. Chesed, as you can see, has more to do with practical application. It's not just this warm fuzzies. I mean, God probably wasn't feeling warm fuzzies for the Israelites at that moment. Now that does apply there is the there is the aspect of affection and love that goes into into hesed. so God does love you and does love them but it also has to incorporate a concrete action to 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 that you can't show chesed by simply saying i love you if you're married and your spouse is like sick and can't get up and needs to be taken care of you could say i love you and i'm going to go like that, that doesn't work. You have, to, you have to stay there and take care of them, right? That would be chesed. The God of the Bible is a God, is the God of chesed, of great faithful love. God's love is faithful even when we are not. And there's nothing good you can do to earn his love and nothing bad you can do to disqualify you. He loves you. Full stop. I've noticed a trend uh, in the church where we want to kind of put a qualifier on that. We want to say, God loves you, but it's either God loves you, but make sure you do this, or God loves you, but make sure you stop doing that. And if I can borrow a phrase from Dean, who borrowed it from Bob Newhart, just stop it, (laughs) stop it. I should say, please stop it. I, as I said, I'm not a pastor. I'm not the elder. I don't have the authority to come up here and say that. But as we can see, it doesn't, it's not about what we do that God loves us. And so when we, when we put those qualifiers, we start to associate our moral um, actions and character with whether or not God loves us. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God loves you, that God is love. Full stop. All right, so in a moment, but not yet, we're going to read Psalm 136. Uh, I'm going to need a little bit of help. I'm going to read the entire psalm again, but it's 26 verses. I'm going to read the first half, and you guys, if, you, if you're willing, will respond with, his faithful love continues forever. But first, I want to read you something written by uh, Jason Hitchcock. Uh, he is a theology editor and contributor to wonder inc the curriculum that uh, i'm getting this lesson from he's he's one of the people that kind of make sure things are theologically sound in in the teachings so here's a quote that he wrote about this with the development of the james webb space telescope humans have seen farther into the past than ever before in unmatched clarity we observe glimpses of galaxies and star clusters more ancient and numerous than our minds had grasped. The early images are simply dripping with distant galaxy galaxies, each one containing untold billions of stars. And many of these points of light show a corner of the universe so distant it has taken longer than we can fathom for the photons to even reach our instruments. This spectrum of radiation traversed incomprehensible reaches to meet us. If alive today, the writer of Psalm 136 would observe this and say, The Lord prepared a universe of unfathomed enormity. That, he is, that his faithful love continues forever. That God who coils galaxies is not too important to love and care for his people. As the psalmist also claims, God redeemed Israel from slavery and gave Israel a new story. I invite you to read Psalm 136, and perhaps you can think of how God did this for you. How has God's mighty hand and powerful arm reshaped your story? Consider finding an image of God's creation, one which makes you awestruck as you pray. In my prayers, I ask, could the God who created a universe remain patient with me? The created universe proclaims, God has shown limitless patience, limitless vision, and limitless attention. And, I ask, will God be faithful to me in the challenges ahead? The psalmist answers, always. 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 All right, Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, because he is good, his faithful love. Forever. Give thanks to the greatest God of all. Love Give thanks to the most powerful Lord of all. Love Give thanks to the only one who can do great miracles. Love By his understanding, he made the heavens. Love he spread out the earth on the waters. He made the great lights in the sky. He made the sun to rule over the day. He made the moon and stars to rule over the night. Give thanks to the God who killed the oldest son of each family in Egypt. He brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. He did it by reaching out his mighty hand and powerful arm. Give thanks to the God who parted the waters of the Red Sea. He brought Israel through the middle of it. But he swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. Give thanks to the God who led his people through the desert. He killed great kings. He struck down mighty kings. He killed Shihon, the king of the Amorites. He killed Og, the king of Bashan. He gave their land as a gift. He gave it as a gift to his servant Israel. Give thanks to the God who remembered us when things were going badly. His faithful love continues he set us free from our enemies. His faithful love continues forever. He gives food to every creature. His faithful love continues Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love continues forever. Whew, well done. All right. Again, a lot here, right? And it's a little familiar with 103. Uh, it's reference to the Israel uh, and the exodus from Egypt. Now, can anybody guess what Hebrew word is, is underneath that word faithful love? Chesed, exactly. 26 times, just in case you forgot, wants to repeat that. Now, anything on this uh, long list we just read, any, was, there, was there anything on there that gave you guys a little bit of pause Anything make you a little uncomfortable or itchy? It it did for me. And I I just want to point it out for just a little bit here. In verse 10, it says, Give thanks to the God who killed the oldest son of each family in Egypt. And to be honest, that's hard for me to say. I mean, there's going to be times and places, especially when you do Bible study and you're going through all these stories, that you're going to come across things that make you uncomfortable. And instead of ignoring it, let's, let's take a moment, and we're going to go a little bit deeper into that. It's going to be in Exodus chapter 11. So God is telling Moses that this is the last plague. There has been nine plagues against Egypt. Pharaoh keeps saying he's going to let them go, and he says, no, yes, no, yes, no. So this is the final one. And after this, they're going to be urged to leave. So Moses goes to Pharaoh, and in chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Moses told Pharaoh, the Lord says... About midnight, I will go through every part of Egypt. Every eldest son in Egypt will die. The eldest son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne will die. The eldest son of every female slave who works at her handmill will die. All the male animals born first to their mothers amongst the cattle will also die. There will be loud crying all over Egypt. It will be worse than it's ever been before, and nothing like it will ever be heard again. But among the Israelites, not even a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord treats Egyptians differently from us. All your officials will come and bow down to me. They will say, "You go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Moses was very angry when he left Pharaoh. I wonder why Moses was angry. Was he angry at God for taking so long? Was maybe angry at Pharaoh for being so pig-headed and stubborn? Was he angry at all the deaths that were going to happen? I don't know. This, this passage doesn't elaborate. We're kind of just left to wonder. Here, Moses says the Israelites will be spared, treated differently, but not just because they're Israelites. Do you know why they got spared? Anybody? Because of the Passover lamb. See, God provided a way for the Israelites to kill the lamb, you prepare a meal, and then you spread the blood over the doorposts, and you will get passed over. And it doesn't say that only Israelites did it. This, was, this seemed to be fairly common knowledge and to, the, to anybody who was listening to, to Moses, and earlier in the passage it said a lot of people had respect for Moses, even the Egyptians. And in fact, in chapter 12, it talks about as they're leaving, there's a mention of a, a bunch of non-Israelites that go with them. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay uh, the uncomfortableness of this, the loss of life, or suggest that, oh, the Egyptians were fine. It's all just, you know, the scripture says that there was not a single house where someone had not died. And it's tough. I don't, I don't have time to today to flush out all the details. I mean, there have been whole books written just about this part in Exodus, and I'm sure I'm missing something. But when we have come across these these passages, I would encourage you, and I've said this before, don't shy away from it. Go deeper. Ask those questions. Why? Why did this happen? Why is this here? Because God can take your questions, and so can the Bible. So Anyway, I feel like I've been on this part a little too long, so I apologize. To sum up... Um, I think that God provided a way, a way out, a way of safety. And I think that Pharaoh and all those in Egypt could have chosen differently. And the psalmist in 136, to go back there, he's connecting this final uh, plague, this final sign, or you know, however you want to say it, as the one that freed Israel. After this, they, they were able to leave. And that connects to God keeping his promise to Abraham. So that is, why God, that is how God is showing chesed. By redeeming Israel from Egypt. So in 136, the psalmist really likes to point to the heavens as an example of God's chesed. The stars, the sun, the moon, everything working together is part of God's chesed, his faithful love, as he provided this world for us. So not only does God love you, Um, Sorry, jumped ahead there. Uh, I I was going to say, I like the NIRV version of this psalm because, as you said 26 times, his faithful love continues forever. And it it brings to mind this idea that God, not only does God love me, does God love you, but that love started long before us. It's going to go long after. And that's going to bring us to our last psalm here. Psalm 139 not going to read the whole one this time. Just a, just a couple of verses. Again, this is the theme verse that the kids are learning in their classes. So Psalm 139, and it's going to be verses 13 and 14. You created the deepest parts of my being. You put me together inside my mother's body. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful. I know that very well. God was there to love you. When you were born. Before that even. And that loyal and faithful love. Will continue forever. He is the one that made you. think about. Let's step back for a second. He created everything. He created everything up here. Everything down there. All that is seen and unseen. And he took time. And intentionally. And purposefully. Made you. And not only that. But he loves you. He loves how he made you. He loves you just as you are right now. Nothing you need to do to earn it. Nothing you can do to take it away. He loves you with a faithful, loyal, loving kindness, steadfast love that is forever. I hope I've made that clear. Now, this seems simple, right? It's a truth we teach our children as they grow up that god loves you right and if you grew up in the church you probably one of the first things you learned right jesus loves me this i know i'm in the psalms i have to be singing right <laughs> but again we fall into that trap we think it's too simple we think it's not sophisticated enough maybe we take it for granted but it is simple because it is who God is. It is part of his character. It is part of who he is. You cannot separate that. And Because it's part of who he is, it is also deep. So much deeper and richer than we can imagine. Much like the gospel itself. In a moment, but not yet, we're going to watch a video. Uh, it's from the Bible Project. No surprise. I've talked about it a few times. Uh, I feel like this video brings everything together nicely that I've been talking about. it. Uh, but first, I'm going to close us with some final thoughts. And then we're gonna, I'm going to pray, we'll have the video, and then we'll go into our, our music. And if you're listening to the audio uh, of this sermon and want to watch the video, it, just look up Loyal Love and Bible Project, and you'll find it. And Bible Project has a ton of videos and podcasts It's a really good resource uh, if you want to to go a little deeper into into the scriptures. So if the music team wants to come up, I'll um, try to land the plane here a little bit. So, God loves you. He made you, and he loves you. He made everything, the entire universe, and he loves you. Not just the warm fuzzies, though he does have that for you. But in a way that provides... So much so that it provided the way, Jesus. The way to reconcile our relationship to God and to each other. So what should our response be? You're going to have to come back to find that out. I'm only half kidding. In a a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the do unto others commands that Jesus taught. And in that series, we're going to be dealing a lot with our response to this. And so I don't want to step on that too much. And I want you guys to think about this. If we claim to follow the God of Chesed, the God who is full of faithful, loyal love, what does that look like? So take some time this week. Have some tea or coffee. Go for a walk. Think about this. The God who created everything I can see and everything I can't loves me with a faithful, loyal, merciful, enduring, loving-kindness love, chesed, that lasts forever. What do I do with that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this day and this time that we can come together and just meditate on your great, faithful love, on your chesed. As we go today out back into the real world, (laughs) Lord, I pray that you would bless each one here. Provide us with times and places to meditate on your chesed. Give us wisdom to know how to respond to that. Lord, may we be doers of the word and not just those who hear. In Jesus' name, amen.